<laughs> Here we are. Early morning. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you again. Uh, we've been here many times before, and um, we love coming. We love coming to see you. I was thinking this morning as we were driving, um, one of my best memories uh, was being here probably in, in a November 10 years ago or, or less, and uh, we sang the Hallelujah Chorus, and it was, it was snowing outside. It was just beautiful. <laughs> um, but it's great to be back again. Thank you so much for many years of standing with us, not only with your prayers, your financial support as we lived in Kenya and Uganda, and um, but with your friendship uh, and and sending folks over to be with us and to join us in the work. Um, I think they would agree that when they come, they also fall in love with um, the people of God, the people that need to hear more of the gospel and um, just become uh, in love with what God is doing in the world. And I've seen, I know you do that in other parts of the world as well. So that's a great encouragement to us. So thank you. Yeah, we have uh, fond memories of uh, sending your pastor over there, Jack, and uh, and uh, David Chenette, who I have, Richard, Rich, excuse me, Richard, <laughs> one of those Chenettes, yeah. there are a lot of them, but uh, Richard Chenette, uh, who, who I named the Dancing Elder. Uh, because we went, we went out to a place, you know, we'll be talking about one of our big projects has been a vocational training school we started. But the seeds for that started with evangelism, where it should start uh, to, to plan a church there. And out of that came the vision uh, by some, uh, from some of the pastors of building a resource that could serve the community uh, so that they're not only preaching the gospel in word, but also in deed. And um, so Richard came out with us in that outreach. And um, unlike Americans, at least most Americans, and certainly Presbyterians, <clears throat> uh, they like to dance when they worship the Lord. And they worship the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, and their body you know and uh, so Richard really surprised me he just like jumped in there and started dancing with him it was kind of like almost like a Macarena like a, a line dance or something I mean it was sort of like an introduction to the preaching that was going to come you know so uh, anyway it was great having Richard there and I still remember the impact that uh, Jack had uh, teaching at uh, the Bible school there and uh, he, hit, he hit on some very practical issues because I think we were, somehow, we, were, we were in the book of Esther or something. We were talking about finding Christ in the Old Testament. And they wanted to know, well, what about this whole thing about polygamy, you know? And boy, he opened up a can of worms. And, uh, but he, he dealt with it. And uh, it was really, really good for them. 
So uh, thank you so much. So we wanted to just give you an update here. Here you can, my wife is going to be the clicker here and uh, try to go through some of these um, slides. So I'm hitting this one? Uh, let's see. Let's, let's see. We go here forward. Yeah, that one. Yep. That's the one. So you can stay there. So because I believe that church planning is the most effective means of evangelism, uh, that's what I've been doing in East Africa, training indigenous church planners. Uh, since we relocated in the States in 2013, which I think was the last time we were here, um, these uh, African pastors are doing it on their own. They've been trained how to do, do seminars and train uh, church planters. Um, I, I continue church planter training from a distance. Two of the key men I've been mentoring over the years in Kenya is Patrick and Pethuel. Can you see up there? You're getting there? Okay. Um, and they send me monthly reports via email and text, and we have regular phone calls. They're not only pastors and church planners, but also highly skilled builders. Over the last 20 years, we have helped build about 15 churches. Uh, and that's where our African brothers and sisters can worship Jesus. And we do this through the mobilizing of teams of volunteers from the U.S. More recently, we have been building a vocational training school. The Sunshine, spelled S-O-N-S-H-I-N-E, Sunshine Vocational Training School, will help provide jobs for men in the building trades and for women in tailoring and dressmaking and crafts making to be sold by Lois to support her health care ministry, which you will hear about in a moment. From meager beginnings in 2019, the school now has over 100 young men and women enrolled. It actually has reduced a bit because of the drought and the famine. They lost something like 40 students because their parents were starving to death and they didn't have money to pay for tuition. Uh, but we're hoping now the rains have come. We sent, uh, with uh, help of people like you and other supporters, they've sent uh, funds to help us send um, seeds there right at the time that the rain started coming. And now uh, they have their, their shambas, their gardens are growing and hopefully will provide food for them in the, the next uh, harvesting season. Um, but um, for this reason, in August, uh, this, this August, I plan to travel with six to eight. Looks like it could actually be 10 to 12 uh, other men and women from various churches to construct an administration wing for the school. And this is, uh, they were told by the government they need to have this. Uh, one of the biggest needs for the school has been clean water for the students living in this rain-starved environment. And in answer to our prayers, God has provided funds for a borehole that is providing plenty of water for the school. It's actually uh, powered with solar panels, and it's amazing. In a couple days, they can fill these four 
containers um, full of water. This has been an especially vital resource during times of drought and famine like the one they've been experiencing. With the help of our donors, we were able to send uh, money to provide food and seeds during this desperate time. And uh, rains are coming, and in these photos, I think you can see uh, the food that's growing there. Usually cow peas, they call them, and corn are some of the staples that they grow in that area. After this team finishes its work in early August, Lois and I hope to travel to Uganda, where our family first began our journey on the mission field 38 years ago. Hard to believe. Have we changed at all? I mean, over the last few years, I've been coaching and financially supporting a church planner named Luke Busobozi. Uh, and just an aside, I, um, I met Luke while I was teaching in a seminary, teaching church planning in a seminary in Uganda and found out he actually was from the, the western region where we needed a new church planner to revitalize a church that had gone, sort of gone to seed because the, a pastor had been there, had problems, he left the church and then they were renting it out to some school and the students were destroying the, the facilities and I said, can we get a Presbyterian church planner in here? And well, yeah, try to find one. And there I was at the school, and here was this guy studying church planning. I said, have I got a deal for you, you know? And uh, so he's been there. It's, I think it's been about four years now. And he's doing a great job with his wife and his uh, children there. He, he, he's not like a flashy, um, charismatic preacher, but he is faithful. He preaches the word of God. He goes out and does evangelism. I think I have something on that. Um, the Rangoma Church was started more than 20 years ago, but was abandoned when the pastor left and there was no one to replace him. Luke and his wife Ada have been working hard to bring the congregation back to life through outdoor preaching in the markets and also through Bible studies in village homes. So he's very faithful in... Uh, um, planting the seeds of evangelism, and then going and visiting people. I helped him get a motorcycle, so he goes out to some to the different villages and where he started home groups, has Bible studies with them. He has a Sunday school where he educates them theologically, disciples. He's got a couple of men he's discipling. Uh, to come up in the leadership in the church. His wife does a great job in, in uh, music and helping him even preach in the market. You know, she's, uh, she's a tough gal. And during the pandemic, Luke had to resort to preaching on the radio as most church members do not have access to the internet, let alone electricity. And his church is growing. When I'm not leading summer teams in Africa, I'm laboring in Northeast Philadelphia among immigrant communities. And this is the neighborhood I grew up in as a boy. This is my old hood. 
Our congregations, Chinese, Albanian, and English, meet for worship separately on Sunday mornings, but every month we celebrate the sacraments together. It's kind of cool. We have the first part of the service, we will recite Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed together in our various languages. <laughs> we will sing maybe two hymns that have been translated, and, uh, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper together. And then we separate to our different congregations to have a sermon in our own language. I serve on the staff of the English congregation as a teaching elder and facilities manager. That's my brother there. You can pray for him. Uh, he was getting back on track, walking with the Lord, coming to church, and he uh, suffers uh, with uh, manic depression. And uh, he's now depressed again and won't answer the phone. And It's my only living sibling and uh, so uh, yeah pray for him I, I, I believe God's gonna get a hold of him yet <clears throat> um, each week over 200 students coming from places like China Brazil Albania and the Middle East come to study English in each class we read a Bible story or scripture verse first in their own language then in English, and pray for God to give them faith in the gospel. I started an extra class of my own online where I offer the students extra practice in English by reading the Bible. Here I have the freedom to preach the gospel to them for a whole hour. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I have like four or five Chinese students who are not believers yet, and uh, a, a lady from Guatemala who may be a believer. She, she, uh, and then uh, I recently have a Turkish woman who's a Muslim has joined us. And you know, pray for these people. That God will open their eyes to see the glory of God in the face of Christ, as Paul told us. I've also been coaching church planners who are reaching immigrant communities in Philadelphia, like Diogo, who is planting a church among Brazilians and hopes to oversee the planting of many Spanish and Portuguese-speaking congregations in the Delaware Valley. Uh, once he gets this church uh, squared away at solid, on solid footing and he wants to bring in another Brazilian pastor, He'll begin working as a church planning coordinator to find out where we can plant other churches among Hispanic and Portuguese-speaking people. It's interesting. His name is Diogo Inuashiro. What does that sound like to you? Exactly. So he grew up in Japan. And there's actually a large Brazilian community in Japan and a, and a Japanese community in Brazil. You, you would think, what is the connection here? I don't know the whole history of it. but uh, So he speaks Japanese and Portuguese. <laughs> now let, uh, Lois is going to tell you about her ministry with the Kianga kids. Uh, 
So Kianga, um, <clears throat> in Swahili, it means the brightening of the sky after a storm or the, the sun's rays breaking through dark clouds. And it's the name that I chose for a children's health care project in Kenya, which I started oh, 15 or more years ago. Um, thinking about the storms of life uh, for children in, that live in the slums and uh, in, in poverty in Kenya. Kianga Kids partners with churches in Kenya to communicate the hope of the gospel through school health care programs that serve children and their families both in the slums of the cities and in rural Kenya as well. We are supporting projects uh, for churches who run nursery schools on site. So we work with the Presbyterian Church, and um, a lot of the schools, a lot of the churches, you know, the building is empty during the week and needs uh, the needs of the community. It meets the needs of the community by having nursery schools, and the children come in, and a lot of times the, the uh, pastor's wives and some of the women in the church help to um, run the school. So we work in the area uh, of preventative health care. And where necessary, we facilitate diagnosis of illness and also treatment by sending them to a doctor or taking them there ourselves um, for treatment of their illnesses. And then that we, have, we meet special needs. There are children that need physical therapy uh, and sometimes surgery and we can step in and help in this way as well. The student's growth is monitored. Uh, we provide vitamins uh, for them and a daily hot porridge. Right now we have uh, five different uh, partnerships with, with schools or children's groups, uh, but three of them get, get daily porridge or fed daily, and that's so vital in the area where the men are building this Usawani school um, because that's where the famine is the worst and so that's been a privilege to be able to help them. Uh, because of intestinal parasites um, they're a common problem robbing young children of nourishment so we periodically deworm them. Having clean water is also so important to each school and foundational for maintaining uh, good health, as you can imagine. While I'm in the year, while I'm in the, in the U.S. most of the year, uh, my administrator, Cecilia, visits our partnering schools to examine the children and replenish the first aid kits to weigh the students and attend to any issues that arise. And there are many. We're on, we're, Cecilia and I are in touch um, usually a few times a week um, by phone, by, yeah, either by phone on WhatsApp or um, texting each other. And then I visit Kenya once a year to touch base with the partners and spend time with Cecilia making the needed changes and planning for the future. 
On one of these visits, preteen and adolescent girls at this same location were given a colorful cloth um, hygiene kit with reusable feminine products. I guess you don't hear that too often from your church pulpit, but um, another practical area and practical need. Um, typically, female students miss a week of school every month because they cannot afford disposable products, so they stay home. Um, using a flip chart, our team taught some basic reproductive anatomy and physiology to their amazement and delight. They just don't get it, that, that kind of education there. On one of these trips, we gave 200 mosquito nets to family units uh, that were fostering um, orf orphans at one of our partnering schools. I did this because I was repeatedly having to pay for malaria treatment. And, um, you know, it kind of hit me over the head. Why, why do we keep paying for treatment? We need to do more in the area of prevention. And that was a few years ago, and since then we have had very little malaria among that group of children. Um, okay, this, sum this past summer, um, Becky Peach and I traveled to Kenya to take part in Cecilia's wedding. We had been praying for Cecilia for a long time for a husband that was, um, she, ha she is a single mom, and just God gave her that desire, and she met a man, a Christian man, on an on a, um, internet dating site. He's from Texas. And they seem to be a great match, so we're, we're really thankful. And, and Becky and I just had a wonderful time um, celebrating Cecilia and her faithfulness, working for me for um, probably 11, 12 years. And um, yeah, now we're praying for Cecilia to be able to get to the U.S. because her husband had to come back and continue his job in, in Texas. And um, they're, may, they may be apart for a year or two, two years, until, she, until our immigration system uh, gets working better and uh, we're able to get her over here. She's the one that has a, a chronic form of leukemia as well. So it would be great for her um, to ha be under a better health care as well. Uh, the Crafts Project was begun with a twofold purpose, both to fund the health care ministry and to give our Kenyan partners, like pastors' wives and community health care workers, a market for crafts that they create. Uh, I buy from them outright, and then I bring the crafts here to the States uh, to sell. And all of the profit goes into a fund that pays for all of those healthcare um, uh, projects that I just mentioned. <laughs> so, there you have it. Um, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. You got both this morning. What a deal. Are there any questions you might have about what you've heard here? Uh, while you're thinking about that, uh, let me encourage you to pray about 
being part of our summer team in August. And uh, it looks like, uh, because he's such a glutton for punishment, uh, looks like Phil is going to be coming again, and Becky. And I think the Rice brothers are coming too. Um, Chris and we hope, <laughs> Patrick and Chris, and uh, others are interested. We're talking. We're talking to them and twisting. I mean, uh, sharing with them the opportunities <laughs> to come. <laughs> but um, so there'll be probably two parts to that. Uh, there'll be a building team and also a healthcare team uh, with some of the women. Women can join the building team if they're interested. Uh, they're, you know, you don't have to be, um, you know, as strong as Patrick Rice to, to, to work there. Uh, we have all kinds of things to do. Um, painting, getting, uh, bending bolts, you know, which is something that Phil especially likes. Bending J-hooks. Uh, and special, so so there's a lot to do there, and then and then, uh, honey, can you tell them a little bit of well, what we'll be doing? Like I said, we'll be building this uh, administration wing, and when I say building it, uh, it will be partially built, God willing, by the time we get there. So usually, we'll uh, send funds ahead, and they'll get the foundation and the walling up, and we'll come in and put a roof on. Uh, and there will already be trusses prefabricated that will uh, put the, the trusses up and then put corrugated metal um, over it. And, and they can move on from there to put windows and doors, flooring, and all those things. But once they have the, they've really got the main structure once we put the roof on. Um, the last time we built a women's dormitory which is now functionable and has over 60 girls in it who are being trained with marketable skills to support families um, and bring glory to Jesus Christ. This school is a focus is not only giving uh, marketable trades, but building Christian character that can be a testimony to wherever they work. Uh, we, we also have a um, scholarship fund that we started. And right now we have only about three people donating to that, but it means a lot. You know, 50 bucks a month, say, and uh, this goes in to help some of those students who can't, can't pay their whole tuition. And, and the, the policy is they will find the best students, of course, who are doing well in their studies and showing Christian character uh, to especially help those students to be able to go through the school and come out as um, Christian uh, workers in the fields of carpentry, welding, uh, uh, electrical work, uh, we, uh, and I'll mention it's great to have uh, Bob Sowers uh, and his help and the organization he works with and they're, we're hoping to get some computers from them so that we can eventually have a computer school 
uh, there as well. That would be a great boon to uh, the community, giving kids some skills that way as well. You know, Kenya has, uh, is pretty, uh, compared to some other African countries, they're pretty far ahead in terms of their IT uh, work. And evidently the, um, what is it, the, um, sorry, I'm not a computer geek myself, but the, there was a line brought in from Europe uh, for internet, so Kenya is a hub for uh, internet access in in, in uh, Africa. So there's a lot of IT work there. So um, so we'll be helping to build that. Usually, you're, it's a two week trip. Um, one week of that is basically travel, and another week we actually do work. You know. Um, and uh, so you can talk to the Peaches, uh, talk to Patrick, and uh, see who else has been there. Uh, you, you can talk, talk to Jack. Jack has been there for a while. Who else? Alex, that's right. Alex isn't here today, but Alex has been there. I don't know what, why, you know, why isn't he at church today? I don't know. It's, uh, we have, maybe we need some church discipline here. I don't know, Jack. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was great to see the wedding yesterday, and uh, oh man, it's great to see so many people, so many of you there, and people from some of the other churches in the area, you know, who who know uh, those families. So, uh, do you want to say something about what your uh, group will be like? Get a word in edgewise. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I guess having been in Kenya for so many years, we've we've networked with a lot of people and a lot of different groups. And typically, when I take uh, a, a group of women over, and I like a small group, just a few, one or two uh, or three other women to come with me, um, <clears throat> what we do depends on the interests of those women that come. So for example, last year when Becky was with me, we um, and we, we, one thing I need to do is visit these partnerships, at least two or three of them, if not all of them. And you can't, yeah, it's too hard to visit all of them in one summer. So we kind of go, um, alternate. But last year, uh, one of the groups that we had planned to visit, uh, I was told a day or two before I left home that there was um, in the special school where, where I support um, a child who has cerebral, cerebral palsy and have been helping to educate her and get her physical therapy. Well, they, they had some blind students that needed help. Well, Becky, Becky and I were thrilled about that and met. Uh, we asked them, oh, that's great. Bring, bring the principal to meet us. Bring the, the teacher. And the teacher was blind. And she and Becky just hit it off. Um, fabulously and have had an ongoing relationship. So, you know, there are other things that I like to do. I always don't, I don't always get to, but I love to go into the children's ward of, the ho of a local hospital, and there's a lot of freedom to just um, talk about the Lord, to pray with, go to the bedsides and pray with um, mothers over their, their children. Um, 
what else have we done? Uh, you know, we've done soap making before. It, it just so it, I guess what I'm trying to say is at this point, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing this summer. But there's so many different um, things that could be done. We've done uh, something like a VBS program uh, for children in some of these areas, depending whether they're it's when they're if they're in school or out of school. Um, yeah, working with um, or visiting and working with um, a group that uh, has uh, disabled adults and children, mostly children, I guess, uh, visiting there and, and being a help and an encouragement. You know, a lot of what, of what we do, of course, we don't go in and, especially now that we're living over here, um, most of what we do is to encourage the Christians that are there. You know, how can we encourage them? And one, one, um, one year, a few years ago, we focused on prayer. I just had one friend come with me, and she, um, she kind of has a prayer ministry. And we prayed with the, the pastors and prayed with the teachers, and, and um, that's just a tremendous help to them. Um, <clears throat> doesn't always feel like we're doing or accomplishing so much, but in the spiritual realm, we really are. So. Oh, um, yes, I have some of my crafts with me today, uh, just to give you a, a sample of, of what they do, the beautiful work that they do, and um, any other prophets would go into the children's health care ministry. As I've told some of you, they really do go uh, the healthcare ministry, and um, you know, I when Lois started this in earnest, when we got back to the states, and she started developing the business, I said, you know, could we have a little bit for our pay the bills, you know, the, to keep the lights on? And she said, no, I'll, I'll get a job, and and I'll provide that through that job. But I want this to be for the healthcare ministry, so she can honestly tell you that it goes to that. Um, there's not like oh an, an, a percentage for administration or any anything like that. So um, so she does have them uh, for sale back there. I've also have lots of propaganda back there, and you can sign up and receive prayer letters for the rest of your life from us. Um, so uh, yeah, feel free to do that. So are there any any questions you might have? What's your brother's name? My brother's name is Alan. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, pray for Alan. Yeah. A question about uh, yes. the drought condition right now, especially around Swain. Uh, has that abated at all, or is it still ongoing? No, they're getting rains. They are getting rains. We thank God. Because uh, they've gone through three years of not enough rain to, to grow. Uh, you know, the whole uh, continent of Africa... Uh, for whatever reason, is becoming more and more desert. There's so many kilometers every year that is moving south. And uh, this is in one of those areas in northern Kenya, northeastern Kenya, that uh, is probably going to continue in that, in that direction. You know, um, It's never been the most fertile or gotten the most rain in, like some other areas in Kenya. But um, so they really, they do a lot of... Um, they keep a lot of sheep and goats 
and so when there's a drought and a famine, you know, maybe they'll have uh, 30, 50 goats. They'll sell off some. That's sort of like their savings account. <laughs> and the goats need almost nothing to, you know, they eat anything. <laughs> and they survive somehow in, in that dry climate. So uh, that's, what, that's what they do. And, um, but hopefully some of these young people will have some other skills besides, uh, you know, farming. Yes? Just quickly explain the connection with New City Fellowships. Oh. Uh-huh. Your connection to a strong, wonderful church and the ability to really, there's this strong foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What was that, Phil? Blending the cultures. Blending. Blending the cultures. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so our, the main church we worked with there, you know, when I started uh, doing, um, I, I went there with, you know, I'd been in Uganda, and we were planting churches ourselves as missionaries, and I found that if, if a, uh, a Westerner starts a church in another culture, and he tries to hand it off to an indigenous person, it's like handing flypaper to somebody. You know, it just keeps sticking to your hand and you can't shake it off. They'll always see it as that's the, what we call there the Mzungu church. That's the church of, of white people. And if you go there, you might get something, you know. So people come to the church for the wrong reason and get disappointed that they're not going to get a handout or some help, you know. Um, so when I went to Kenya, I knew that there was already... A, an established Presbyterian church. It was actually started back in the 60s by the Bible Presbyterians. Uh, and uh, they were invited by uh, Africa Inland Mission to come and help them do evangelism in this particular area of the country, in the northeastern section among the Kamba people. But um, so so I went to Kenya and I said, I can work with some existing pastors to train them how to plant churches instead of me trying to start the churches. And these are guys that already had a biblical theological uh, foundation. And that's what you need to train a church planner. You can't just teach them how to start. What kind of a church is it going to be? And what are you going to teach and preach? Et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, I worked with them, and, and one of the um, interesting, I, I thought, well, which church planner am I going to work with? And here I had moved in, where I, where I was given a house by the previous missionary that was there um, was a guy by the name of Joe Matuki who was married to a German woman, and he had studied uh, theology at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, he, uh, he got a burden to plant a church among Asian Indi South Asian Indians uh, because he was, he was in one of our uh, flagship churches in the Africa Evangelical Presbyterian Church, and he had an Indian, a Christian, an Indian who was a Christian, come in and speak to their church. And he said, "You know, you Africans, um, 
you uh, work you you work for us and you probably criticize us because we're Hindus and not Christians but you never preach the gospel to us <laughs> and so Joe said he prayed about that and he said God if you give me five Christian Indian families to work with I will plant a church for you and, and, and within the next six months it was kind of um, setting down a lot of standards there. But uh, God provided those families for him. And in his home, right in his home, when we first got there, he used to come over, and we were on our way to, to, to a church, to another church, and he'd say, can we borrow some chairs while you're gone? I said, why? Well, we're, we're having a church. And I never stopped to ask him, like, what kind of a church is that or anything. I didn't even know he was in the same denomination. Uh, so uh, we started working with them, and he calls it New City Fellowship. It is supported and uh, uh, in many ways by New City PCA churches here in the U.S. <laughs> and uh, so their, their, their vision is racial, racial reconciliation through the gospel. So... My wife was probably saying, wow, you're really telling a long way around to tell this story, Robert. But uh, you're, you're getting a lot of extra information you can use one day. But uh, so, so New City Fellowship, their goal is racial re reconciliation. What racial reconciliation between Indians and Africans? Or I should say African Indians and African Africans. Okay? black Africans and brown Hindu uh, Africans, you know. So, and that's because the Africans work for the, uh, the you know, the, the, the Indians, as you know, are consummate business people. They work 24-7-365, you know. And uh, they hire, uh, probably usually for low wages, the Africans, and kind of look down their nose at them, or sometimes abusive uh, verbally to them, maybe sometimes physically. And, and so there, there's a resentment there towards the Indians, you know. And, and I hate to say it, but it's kind of like the way I thought about Jewish people, you know. We had, you know, you're going to Jew somebody out of something, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of mentality that was there. And um, so what's wonderful is to see them coming together in Christ and seeing, and, and it's not easy and we've had conflicts within the church between Indian Christians and, and like for instance we used to send around a, um, a van to help some of the Indians come to church because they are afraid to use public transport and some of them are too proud to use public transport okay so then the Africans would say well, why don't you give us a ride to church <laughs> <laughs> well, we explain. We are catering to the Indians because they don't have as much of an opportunity to hear the gospel as you do, because they're you know they're embedded in the Hindu culture. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we work with that church, and I was on staff for that church. One of the elders and Lois and I used to do worship there, and it was a great experience and we have so many friends there who uh, we, we uh, visit uh, when we go back there again um, 
so anyway, that's uh, just a short answer there. Uh, any, any, uh, anybody else have any questions? I have a question from somebody that asked me yesterday. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on you know seeing the African culture, living in the African culture, and then yesterday, you know, you're in a beautiful church, you know how America is, and what's going on today in our society. What are your thoughts? They asked me to ask you that. Well, you think the last answer is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Now, are you when you say uh, what? So, in other words, you're talking about. I'm not asking the question. <laughs> I think it had to do with abundance. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Economic yeah, yeah. discrepancy or contrast. Yeah. Do you want to answer that? Um. <laughs> It'll be shorter, believe me. Yeah. No, you can answer. That. Oh, okay. But I don't know. There's several things I'd say about that. Is um, The whole thing with money, um, you can you can uh, you can worship money whether you're rich or poor. Let's say Mammon, you know Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. Uh, there are poor people who are uh, worshiping. That's one of their idols. Is is a even though they don't have it, they want it. Um, and the other thing is, um, I used to be, when we, we first came back from Uganda after being there for a couple of years, uh, it was a shock coming back to the U.S. I was reminded, you know, like you maybe heard the story of what it feels like for a missionary worker in the third world coming into a supermarket and seeing the abundance. And like, you're, you're just like, what cereal do I choose? You know, uh, why is there so much here? And well, we we help out at a food pantry, and I know some of you are connected to food pantry also, where you see the abundance, don't you? That that people are throwing out, and uh, we do that too. I, 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 we're associated with a, a larger a large PCA church. Uh, in our area, and uh, they help. They allow us to take food because we're missionaries, and you know we're living off of used tea bags that you send us. Just kidding, but um, we, you know, and that really helps us. You know, uh, we get our meats there and and fresh vegetables. I mean, it's not real fresh, but the the food is there, and it's good food. You know, from Trader Joe's. I don't even know Trader Joe's. It's healthy stuff, and but. And people in Africa cannot understand or sometimes believe the abundance that we have. Now, so you can be critical of Americans until you realize, oh, I'm an American too. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was sharing with another brother who was asking me a similar question. It may have been the same person. But uh, I remember that I'm guilty of the same thing. I, I'm selfish, I idolize my comforts and, and all that, so I don't want to be so critical, especially if people have never seen it. and they take for granted that most people in the world live like we do, you know. So, it's of going there, by the way. Some people are 
get better. Talking so long, the battery's going dead. But um, one of the benefits of going there, you, you're, if you ask anybody, your life has changed forever once you go to a place like that, you know, and it could be some other part of the world where you see people are living with open sewers and they don't have enough food, the kids are malnourished, you know, they're getting sick, they got to be dewormed, you know, and they're, they're still struggling with, uh, you know, diseases like yellow fever and, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it teaches you certainly to, to be grateful, uh, maybe to be uh, more generous with uh, what you have, but not out of guilt. I don't think, I never, I always tell people when they go over there, I mean, people are like, here, take all my clothes, give me, I'll give you whatever I want, you know, and it's, it's we don't want to give out, Paul says he, that, that we should be cheerful givers. We should enjoy giving, and it is. It, it, it is great. It, it's hard when you know you can't uh, respond to a need. That happens to us all the time, and we struggle with it. And how, should I try to help? Should I raise money for this? Do I, uh, you know? So, um, but you have to go to the Lord. And I tell, I tell them what I don't have. I said, you know what? My hand is out with yours because I don't have all the things that you need, but God does. God knows what you need. And it's been amazing as we pray together. It may sound like, you know, you're the guy, oh, be blessed and be filled. No. You're saying, let's go to the Lord together because that's who we all depend on. And it's amazing how God provides um, when, you, when you approach it that way. So um, that's, that's kind of how we deal with it. Um, we become a little more grateful, a little more generous, uh, and and we we learn how to trust God for big things that we could never do in our own strength. Yes, Jack. It's about time. Okay, great. Yes, please do. Thank you so much, Robert and Lewis, for visiting with us. And, um, you know, besides our, our financial gifts, one of the most important things we can be doing as a church is to be lifting them up in prayer, okay? So let's do that on a regular basis, and let's lift them up right now, okay? So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Robert and Lois. We thank you for their zeal for the gospel, Lord, uh, and to spread it to uh, all around the world in areas that are often neglected and we pray for your church in Kenya, in Uganda. We pray for its leaders like Patrick, Pethwell, and Luke. We pray that you would strengthen and protect them, um, give them zeal to travel and visit and pray with people and teach the gospel, Lord. We pray for the Kianga Kids Ministry and Lois and Cecilia and just everybody who's involved, uh, that you would strengthen them and grow this ministry and bring more uh, people and little ones to your flock, Lord. We pray for protection for Robert and Lois as they travel, and we pray for the upcoming work trip in the summer, that your hand would be upon that, and that you would bless all those who go to work and labor to build your kingdom. And Lord, we also lift up Alan. Uh, we pray for him this morning. We pray that you would draw him to you, that you would show him your love and your grace, Lord, and uh, in your love. We pray now that you would be with us as we gather to worship and that you would be here in our midst. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.